0: I wanted to kick off this episode by letting you know about a hilarious and heartfelt new fiction podcast called rom Pods. Each season is a new rom-com told in six episodes. Guys, this is brilliant. And I'm very proud of my friend, Becca Freeman, who, along with her business partner, Rachel King, started because they love rom-coms. And this is this is a white space. And I'm just so proud of them. It's, it's so cool. So the first season just launched. So grab your Vespa because you're going to Italy. With Claire on her honeymoon for one. The story is about broken hearts and plans, upending your life as you know it, and opening yourself up to a wild and unexpected new chapter. To subscribe, search Romcom Pods, all one word, wherever you listen. And I'm gonna play a little trailer for you to give you a sneak peek, and then we'll get into the episode. I, honestly, it's amazing. I respect you if you wanna blow this popsicle stand and just hop on over to Romcom Pods. <laughs> anyway, here's the preview. What would you do
1: if you were about to marry your college sweetheart?
0: Uh, Claire, we can't afford this place. Babe, this is my dream house. We're finally getting married.
2: And three days before your wedding. All ready for Saturday? I had no idea how much work planning a wedding would be. Claire, start getting excited for your amazing Italian honeymoon. You caught him singing sensual karaoke. I'll make love to you like you making out with Melissa from sales. What in the actual hell? Well, shit. Guess you're gonna need a plan B. Now I'm single,
0: 28, in a job I hate, and flat broke because my wedding and honeymoon are non-refundable. So now what? You're gonna go to Italy is what you're gonna do. Go have your eat, pray, love moment. Introducing RomCom Pods, a new scripted podcast premiering June 1st. See you soon. Thanks for your calls tonight, Castleton and Greenwood. We're playing soft rock for a busy world. I'm Delilah on B105.7. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Be There in Five podcast. I'm Kate Kennedy, your host. I am a Chicago-based entrepreneur, author, pop culture commentator, some other stuff. Uh, TLDR, highly unqualified to give advice, but that's never stopped me before. This is a series I do called Kate Lila, a poorly named series, uh, which is a nod to my favorite adult light contemporary radio host Delilah that I used to, you know, sit in in a bucket seat in the back of a minivan riding home from sports practice or Lord knows where. Uh, Listening to Delilah soothe people with her iconic voice, be a an audible, soft place to land for people's biggest dilemmas in life. And when, you know, I've always loved the scoop. I've always been interested in other people's lives. And as a kid, when my mom would have this on, it was light 98 in Richmond was the station, but she's syndicated. So really is was everywhere. Uh, I got to hear people's real life relationship troubles. And I really enjoyed hearing how um, she spoke to people and how she validated them was honest with them and harsh where she needed to be but it was never alienating or off-putting it was uh, it was accountability and no pandering but support all the same and I don't know I just remember feeling like she was good at her job and I, I've been trying to reach out to her PR people I want her on the how fun would that be to actual to do an actual Kate Lila with Delilah if anybody knows her people please <laughs> tell her I'm a huge fan What's also funny is every time I start a Kate Lila episode, I feel the urge to tell you the same things. And I'm I'm like, what did I talk about this last time? Uh, but I'm very obsessed with the uh, concept of the song by the Plain White Tees. Hey, there, Delilah. Uh, in 2018, it was like sold as a concept for a scripted television show. <laughs> it kind of makes me laugh because, I mean will meet reinvention a person goes off to the big city and someone yearns for them from afar it's just like makes me laugh i mean i'd probably watch it it would probably would star i don't know shay mitchell or anna sophia rob or somebody but uh i that whole song it just it, I'm, it makes me laugh because well a as we know he was on the short-lived show ready for love um the t- t- tom or tim tom the blonde guy that wrote the song from the plain white tees and was the show Julian and Bill hosted. He's still with the woman he met on there. Another contestant on that show is Jojo Fletcher's brother. Actually, if you can find that online somewhere, I, I kind of found it enter- entertaining, but it only made it one season. But um, so he wrote the song in like the early 2000s about a girl named Delilah that he wasn't dating. He like knew her through a mutual friend and they barely knew each other. And when the song came out, at some point, somebody tweeted That went to college with her. He was like, she. She said, "I went to school with the real Delilah, and like, she was really grossed out by the song, or something." Naturally, I'm not going to let that rest. Uh, I've done extensive research on this. Her name's Delilah D. Chrisen, (laughs) Chrischen. Like, I've done extensive research. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Um, it's D. crescenzo, I believe. Delilah D. Crescenzo. She is like. Um, she at one point was like almost an olympic level runner and tom did take her to the 2008 grammys where he was nominated um for the song hey there delilah but amy Winehouse's rehab rightfully won but they never dated they still weren't dating then and she basically was like i know it was fictionalized she said this to the today show i know knew it was fictionalized and i'm glad i get the opportunity i finally get the opportunity to say i have a boyfriend and it is romanticized the song means so much to so many different people and i'm just happy it's had so much success i don't mind playing along with it and i don't know she just keeps talking about how her boyfriend really wanted her to clear up the confusion it's just kind of a funny thing i don't know just like it would just be my forever fun fact at a corporate icebreaker and it's if you never dated what's there to be jealous about all the interviews like it just sounds like she was in a weird controlling relationship and she did she came out uh, and said it was about her so she could clear up like that they never dated like for her boyfriend it's a little bit weird also this was like a long time ago (laughs) why the hell am I talking about it but I just think it's a funny concept of like that song was so huge it's you know it's catchy it's one of those songs that like was just so overplayed and so of the times that I just I can't listen to it like Owl City's Fireflies that's largely because of the line and I Get a thousand hugs from ten thousand lightning bugs. I, it's just ironic—the lightning bug of it all. It's because it was very dark time on Top Forty Radio, but uh, or like "Low Lonely Boys." How far is heaven? I heard that on the CBK Sirius XM station four times an hour, along with Carlos Santana featuring Michelle Branch, "The Game of Love." I never want to hear those songs again. Um, there's there's these like types of. It's almost like light adult contemporary. It's it's these pop songs that kind of are not explicit are super catchy but when you have an earworm effect that you hear it in your head so much and it plays so much inevitably the wearout's going to be much greater than that of a you know more timeless song like i don't know daniel powder's bad day i'm just kidding i actually probably wouldn't turn that off though do you remember when we as a society were really into michael buble what a weird time to be alive the song home was good and so was Lost. Oh, my God, Lost. I actually love the song Lost, but all the covers and the, you know, I, I just don't understand making your entire career off of like covering songs. It's kind of interesting. But to be fair, a lot of things we love are covers. I actually was going to compare Plain White Tees earlier to Bowling for Soup because I was like, what's a comparable band? And that popped into my head. And I was like, what did they sing? 1985. But that was a cover. Isn't that kind of funny? Um, who hit the wall? Never had it all. Husband's a CPA. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> and also, I love soup. I would eat soup all day. I would have it be my main food group. It was if it was seasonally appropriate. I would do everything for soup, but I would not bowl for it. And if I had more time, and you know, I'm going to keep my tangents at bay. <laughs> I would look that up. But just generally speaking, I don't know. Just not. I, I maybe bocce for gazpacho. You know, lawn bowling, but indoor bowling. It's just like if you go on a date to bowl, not only do you have to wear an ath- like factor in some outfit with an athletic sock. The only other time you'd be forced to do that is if you're going to a ball pit, you also then have to put on ugly shoes that don't match your outfit only to go bend over in front of them and underperform at a sport no one cares about that doesn't matter if really ever, but it's frustrating when you're bad at it cuz you'd rather be good at something. It's m- more endearing to see somebody, you know, do well at something. I don't know. It's, I I don't get why adults it's just like wh- what I, I just think like, one day I, I, I turned around and we weren't using bumpers anymore. And I just don't get what, what, what the problem is with bumpers. You, do, do you really need to refine your skill? Like, can't we just make this like easy and fun and just like hope for the best that it's like as straight as it possibly can be? I don't know. Yeah, But I'm like a B student. I, I'm here for the bumpers. I, I don't need perfection. If you watch 90 Day Fiancé... The scene with David bowling with Lana. I mean, my God, some of the finest TV I've ever seen. Of course, his big move for a woman he's been dating for seven years that he's never seen before that he wants to impress would be to go bowling, and of course, he's like good at it. It just was too was too perfect. Um. Anyway, why 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 was I talking about that? I just I just I miss you know meandering through pop culture. It's truly my happy place. Um. Oh, I was talking about Hey There, Delilah. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what my point was. I guess just that, like, it is crazy when you think about the lyrics and being about a person that he never dated. Beyond that, her going public at the media and being like, yeah, I'm that Delilah. I'm so embarrassed. Like, why are you doing media? You know, it's every song ever is written about somebody. Do do they ever come out and talk about it? And I guess that's the danger, you know, of, of using somebody's name in a song, especially a memorable one. But honestly, men need to know the the far more dangerous thing is like it's all it's bad enough to do a one-on-one acoustic set for a romantic interest because it's going to go one of two ways if they're already into you it, it'll it probably be like attractive they're all on the fence it will be gross there's a special place in hell for for people especially not only do you try to strum acoustically in front of one person that you're not seriously dating and you're trying to win over uh, but you you sing an original song like that is that's tough stuff. I told you like it's like I have two more Delilahs I could cover I won't, but it's it feels like my duty to share with you my you know top four people named Delilah because the it doesn't seem fair to shout out that Delilah named you know whose name was adapted for that a top 40 uh, one hit wonder in two thousand seven without acknowledging the uh, you know original the official harlot of what 1207 bc the delilah of samson and delilah of the new radical song someday we'll know if love can move a mountain someday we'll know why the sky is blue spoiler alert new radicals we do know why the sky is blue it has something to do with the light particles scattering and blue wavelengths being shorter i don't know so <laughs> maybe i don't know i actually love that song it's pretty creative and there's a lot of pop culture references but some of them it's kind of like Alanis morissette ironic it doesn't like totally track 'Cause he's like, Oh, someday we'll know. Like he here's all the great mysteries of the world and he's like, you know, does anybody know the way way to Atlantis or, you know, whatever happened to Amelia Earhart? But then it's like, what does the wind say when she cries? I'm like, I don't know. Is that akin to Area 51? Like, I'm not sure I'm following. But he also says, someday we'll know why Samson loved Delilah. And I always thought that was funny because I'm like, Well, I, I the way I was taught about Samson and Delilah is that Delilah is this like voluptuous temptress who like seduced Samson and he lost you know one of his greatest gifts god gave him which was like his superhuman strength so like basically so at that time like the book of judges it was the you know israelites versus the philistines weirdly god like ordered or i don't know wanted um samson to like marry a philistine which is really unusual but he like gets with this prostitute, Delilah, who's just like trying to live her life. She's just like, you know, whatever you need to do to pay the bills. Like, who cares? Um she the Philistines offer to pay her if she can figure out where he gets his strength from. And it takes like set like a week or something. And he keeps like messing with her and saying, Oh, it's my uh, like arms and she'll like tie him with a rope. But it's he doesn't lose his strength there and he also she tries all these different things. Finally he gives in and it's says it's his hair they cut off his hair and he loses his strength and the ultimate lesson is he gave into seduction and disobeyed god and even though he had superhuman strength even the most the greatest physical strength couldn't um withstand the seduction and temptation of a woman and it's funny because when you go i don't know i i I won't do this on this episode but going forward i kind of do want to do like mini segments of like history lessons or like things i'm revisiting because i love do i love revisiting they're just whether it's like a bible story or u.s or world history or some sort of thing that's so highly editorialized that it's unclear if it's a fable if it's a metaphor if it really happened if it's lore if it's just the winner's road history like there's so many of these examples and i think samson and delilah is particularly interesting and stay with me i'll be done soon um because it's very much the narrative of the women as the seductress the temptress she's the one responsible for a man's decisions delilah was just trying to make money she had a job to do um she actually didn't really seduce him so much as she kind of conned him it was very like jennifer love you and heartbreakers um (laughs) i'm sure i'm sure the the big guy loves me drawing that comparison i'm not making fun of the bible i'm making fun of the way i learn and interpret these things but long story short delilah goes out in history as this like temptress i I mean i assume you guys she's like a household name right like she is known as the demise of of samson um samson did it to himself he he made a choice he made a choice to tell somebody his secret and that is on him entirely what's weird about delilah is most characters are reoccurring and she never shows up again but when you read about samson the dude was freaking crazy this story is not is nothing like the delilah thing is so mild compared to like what a monster samson was and it's like so weird to go back and be like wait 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 what like how do we just gloss over that long story short samson was supposed to marry this philistine woman when he went over there for dinner this is so <laughs> random i find this very funny he decides he wants to tell a riddle and okay this is in the bible <laughs> okay this is so weird to me over a riddle um okay so he basically and my intel is from biblica.com um he proposed a bet where if people could answer uh his like prospective new wife's family and friends like as they were to feast and he said if you can get me the answer within seven days for my riddle i'll give you 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes if you can't tell me the answer you must give me 30 linen garments and 30 sets of clothes so the i don't even like know the answer to the riddle it's out, out of the eater, something to eat out of the strong something sweet mm, sounds like it could go a few different ways um so his you know prospective bride's friends can't figure out the riddle they basically get samson's prospective bride to weasel it out of him and when she tells them and he finds out that uh, the people that found out the riddle, are like, I guess, essentially cheated. I mean, you know, as anybody would do if somebody who didn't, re- you know, re- respond properly to your bet, as anybody would feel frustrated with the lack of sportsmanship in a classic game of, you know, let's trade linens for riddle answers. Um, naturally, Samson goes and um, murders 30 Philistines because people cheated. and solving his riddle literally he would not be happy with my uh homemade escape rooms anyway um and then okay so well not only i'm almost done um not only did he kill 30 philistines as a result um but they were random philistines and he killed them stripped them so he could give their clothes to the cheaters so even though they cheated they technically won and the deal was i'll give you 30 linens so he kills 30 random people, strips them, gives the linens to the cheaters. He didn't even strike down the cheaters. He struck down 30 other Philistines It actually honored the bet. <laughs> even worse, the Bible said the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him and he went down to strike down these people. So it's basically like God was like chill. Like God gave him the strength to kill these random people to get their linens again to fulfill a bet about a riddle i just like what (laughs) and then um when so he like went away for some reason he comes back to his prospective wife's family's house only to find out the father had already married off the daughter that was he was supposed to marry but he's like nbd my younger daughter's hotter anyways um samson is pissed and as a result as anybody would do he um, gets so mad, he goes out and he catches 300, 300, foxes, animals, foxes. He ties their tails together in pairs, secures burning torches to their tails, then sets them free to run for their lives in the Philistines' fields, destroying all of the fields, but without having to take any personal responsibility. Now, am I curious about the, you know, logic behind tying the foxes' tails together? It would seem that it would make them run a smidge less efficiently. Um... It sounds like such a tall tale. It just seems like, you know, couldn't the foxes wear tuxedos and have a torch and just like carry it themselves? Like I, I like what, what world is this? This is what's hard about this stuff. Is like, what's some faith? You know, some faiths denominations take this so literally. Some don't. I view it largely as metaphor. It's fine if you don't. um Anyway, so yeah, the foxes destroy all the land. The Philistines are pissed. So as a result, they go kill Samson's, you know, next, next wife, the younger, hotter sister and the, and her, and her father, you know, Philistines maybe should have expected that the same dude who took down 30 people, who killed 30 people over a riddle might be kind of pissed that he killed his wife. So then Samson goes and like murders a ton more people. Just like, literally all he does is just like he's really strong he just like tears shit up and and murders people left and right um i've never heard of any of those stories but meanwhile the the, what's in the history books what's in our hearts and minds what's the the household name is not the crazy riddle monster it's the dude who was tempted by a woman who was just trying to make a buck and who like perform some verbal gymnastics on him to get him to admit to something like literally this is what women are dealing with this is what we're up against it's like you've got needs and that you're fulfilling with like tying foxes and torches and burning stuff down and killing people delilah's got needs and she's got to pay the bills and sorry that she outsmarted you sorry that she's hot like is it is it, like is that her fault i don't know i'm a it's just kind of like I a I draw all the parallels to the true love weights of it all. And I just think about myself being sent to the principal's office with my long lanky legs because of the goddamn dress code that these dress codes. No boys have, don't have dress codes like my lanky, curveless, gap-toothed body. I had to cover up and I got in trouble for So, you know, to prevent Trevor from staring. But how can we just teach Trevor not to be a perv? You know, I, it's this Delilah. I wanted to call attention to her because I just feel like she was... The original person that got slut shamed and we've been okay with it ever since. And I wanted to tell her I'm sorry and that I know she was probably doing her best. And there's probably some version of the Bible where she's actually like horrible, horrible and I'm making light of it. But what I was just reading, I was like, I don't know. It's kind of just a classic situation of lust and longing and a man that has total free will and a woman that gets blamed for it. What are you going to do, guys? Anyway, fun, fun lesson for today. Wow, I did not mean to, I'm so sorry. I just talked about that for so long.
2: Hi Kay, this is Hannah from Dallas, Texas. Big fan of the podcast. Okay, so I have a completely unfounded theory, but I really just feel like you will have some hot opinion about it. I need to know the intersection of bloggers and Range Rovers. Do is there some sort of um, I don't know brand partnership with Rewards Dow and Range Rover? Kind of like you know a Mary Kay car Cadillac. So I wonder if like the high-performing bloggers like are gifted like um, Range Rovers specifically like white ones um, for the exchange of you know hitting certain numbers um, for the likes to know it. I don't know. It just seems a little odd that they all have white Range Rovers. Um, maybe it's just like a, a white person thing. I'm not sure, but I just feel like there's some sort of connection, and I just I just really need to know your thoughts. Thanks.
0: Bye. (laughs) This may be love. I would love for there to be a conspiracy, but I honestly think it's just, um, if there's a conspiracy, it's it's just a conspiracy where to keep up appearances with like your invisible internet friends, you go into an insane amount of debt buying an $80,000 gas guzzling, you know, not known to be the best running SUV that depreciates from the second you buy it. You know, it's like, I think that, I think it's a status symbol kind of that was made popular by a lot of celebrities in the mid to late aughts specifically. I feel like like prime paparazzi, you know, Britney, Lindsay, Paris, Kim, uh, kind of the first wave of, you know, women wearing chunky waist belts with a, you know, maybe overly creamy eyeshadow, a a low waisted denim, a T-Mobile sidekick, you know, maybe a, a Dooney and Burke or a uh, juicy tracksuit. It's like that the the that is the era to me when Range Rovers first kind of started and I they became kind of ubiquitous with people in Hollywood. It's it's kind of like that same uh je ne sais quoi of your friend that had a slightly older forerunner in high school. Like the cool cars are always a little sporty. And it's a way to have a status symbol that you know showcases your wealth while also having it what's the word it's not casual it's not even sporty it's like it's it's not a porsche it's not a mercedes it's not a rolls royce it's not like there are different types and purposes of for luxury cars you're you're not gonna take your Maybach to to (laughs) erwan that sounds um i don't know why that sounds so funny to me oh it reminds me of annabelle porter like one of the greatest side characters of all time parks and recreation has the greatest side characters of all time that all deserve spinoffs and they just do not get the credit they deserve annabelle porter uh jean ralphio and mona lisa Stap- uh, Saperstein, uh tinnifer june uh, D- 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 diane rayfield plays her um billy eichner <laughs> when he came in he was so funny like with the exception of like you know, I use the tourist example, Justin Trudeau's character, and maybe like Shauna Malway, tweet. I just, the character development in that show is outstanding and unparalleled. Anyway, there's this character named Annabelle Porter. That's an incredible parody of goop. And she has like a business called Blush. And she says things like, there's a flirty trend in beverages. You've, you've had soy milk, you've had almond milk, but the hottest new craze, beef milk. It's like almond milk, but has been squeezed through tiny holes. And actual living cows <laughs> she's like literally describing regular milk and i'm like i'm just waiting for society to come full circle like this where the hottest new trend is the oldest trick in the book you know at a time i thought that kirkland dad's sneaker trend was um a prime example of something so unequivocally considered to be not fashionable that it then became fashionable i don't know whatever um if there's a conspiracy it's it, it's just a conspiracy where to keep up appearances with like your invisible internet friends, you go into an insane amount of debt, buying an $80,000 gas guzzling, you know, not known to be the best running SUV that depreciates from the second you buy it. You know, it's like, I think that some cars are funny. They just don't interest me. I want a purple geo tracker with this teal racing stripe. I've wanted one since 93. I'm going to have to like, you know, if I ever hit it big, I'm going to try and refurbish one. Um, I love I love a Kirkland signature Jeep Wrangler. I love a knockoff. I love a. I I like to drive the unsung heroes, um, and by that I mean cars so unattractive, poorly functioning, and under selling that they just get discontinued altogether and then become very difficult to find. But there's some, something so nineties about a Geo Tracker that I just love. My point was, it's it's sporty, it's nice, but it's not a cheesy sports car. It's not a car that you can't, you know you just aren't going to take like your highest end car on everyday errands um but a range rover it's nice enough to give you status for the everyday but it's not too nice it's not like a special occasion car when you keep in the garage you know pristine or one that's like a major target because it's unusual or you know one that only has two seats it's like a functional suv that you theoretically could take you know uh, in, 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 into a four wheel drive scenario up a hill Or you could, you know, show up to a red carpet in it. It's it's pretty, it's versatile luxury, and I think especially like millennials see them as as a major status symbol, largely perpetuated by Southern California lifestyles in Prime Hills, Laguna Beach, (laughs) Paris Hilton uh, era. Lindsay Lohan too had one. Lastly, I I do think it's important we call out one popular culture kind of Range Rover event because one Prince Philip driving while 98 years old last year flipped his range rover after he t-boned a kia the women in the kia went to the hospital he walked away from the site he he like was never held accountable like why was he driving the he couldn't afford a driver he like he shouldn't be driving he'd hurt people he walked i'm just i'm tired of the nonsense megan markle like you know she she makes headlines for weeks for being a new newly pregnant woman who holds her bump the audacity can you imagine she she loves her unborn child she wants to cradle it like are you kidding if if, if megan markle t-boned an economy-sized car do, I, you don't i cannot even imagine the media firestorm prince philip does it and like nobody cares nobody cares <laughs> it's like i was about to like go get enraged about prince andrew all over again but it's again trying to move through topics uh i've watched one too many epstein documentaries uh during quarantine each more damning than the last and depressing and i just am like are we living in this world full of deep dark secrets that kind of it doesn't make sense if so many people are involved that it would be such a secret. Like, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, I just feel like there's just no way so many conspiracy theories could be true because it just somebody would get drunk in a bathroom and be like, oh, my God, girl, guess what? I got into the Illuminati last week. They called me, you know, um, I, I don't believe most conspiracy theories, but I don't think Epstein is one. It's like proven. He, he blackmailed people, very famous people. He blackmailed them with underage people. And he had the footage and they had to do whatever he said. And then they found a, a, a an Austrian passport issued to him by the Saudi government in his safe with loose diamonds and cash. To keep that fake passport in your safe is like, whoa. That was kind of like the most mind blowing piece of evidence to me that like there might have just been like a broader operation happening unless it was just a straight up, I don't know, fake passport he got from his nearest buddy with a silk screener. And no, I'll, I won't do an Epstein deep dive. People ask me that sometimes. I don't know anything you don't the netflix documentaries are better than anything i could do um and i I, the hsp and me literally can't even stomach talking about you know trafficked children but anyway far more importantly i don't know how we got there uh i want to keep featuring the black-owned businesses you guys submit they're so cool i the stories are unreal um i'll do three now and two later okay the first one is portrait coffee this is a coffee roaster in atlanta uh the person who nominated their relationship to it is their daily drinker of said delicious coffee and i was on their website portrait.coffee which very cool you can have a dot coffee their entire team are their residents of southwest atlanta and they're invested in seeing the historic west end continue to flourish they're a diverse team with unique experiences in operations marketing communications design and community development their goal is to empower and equip atlanta natives and residents with genuine career and life opportunities in the world of coffee. Um, I love that the name comes from a desire to change the picture that comes to mind when you think of specialty coffee coffee as a product was first discovered by Africans in discovering coffee they had no clue this drink would become the most consumed beverage other than water globally on the flip side they had also no clue that their faces would be forgotten even though the pigment of the drink mirrored their own it was stories like this that got us into coffee. Well, it was once merely a drink of necessity turned into an ode to our ancestors. After learning the history and seeing the current realities, every cup of coffee made and consumed felt like an invitation to drink purpose, meaning, and fulfillment. Damn! Join us in pouring a new narrative. God, I, I, I have goosebumps. I live for a good about page. I, I, I people pay me to write their about pages, and, and I, I love to see the things people. Select to share in their story. Anyway, you can support them at portrait.coffee. The next one is Cadence Candle Company. They're hand poured and scented candles that come with a curated playlist based on the vibe you want to create in your home. Oh my god, I'm obsessed. The person who nominated it met the owner Taylor, uh, at a pop-up shop in Raleigh for women-owned businesses. She's based in DC and ships nationwide. That's amazing. So, Cadence Candle Co specializes in six signature scents that are created, crafted to enlighten a particular mood. Each candle scent is accompanied by a thoughtful, handcrafted music playlist via QR scan. The energy you can produce through scent and sound is therapeutic. Damn. I love that. Embrace your individuality. Be a light. Find your cadence. I mean, these are great. I, a few episodes ago, I tried to educate people with my recently acquired candle terminology. Knowledge and uh, the difference between cold throw and hot throw. Cold throw is how the candle smells unlit, hot throw is how it smells when lit, and the range at which that smell reaches. And there is a difference. Uh, but anyway, I love that. Cadence Candle Co. Go to cadencecandleco.com for more. They ship everywhere. Next is Wild Frontier Design Co. They're uniquely beautiful, affordable ink art originals and digital downloads made by artist Tracy Sims in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, she's the artist and owner. I guess she's a listener. Oh, my God, I love that. I'm honored. Um, Tracy, she always dreamed of making movies, so she studied video production at Spec's Howard School of Media Arts, and upon graduating, she dove into the world of writing for big and small screens. She's the co-writer and producer of a festival favorite, Annabelle and Bear, and the co-writer, producer, and director of Open City, a narrative short that uses her unique insight to explore the extension of her creativity. Oh, my gosh. Every color and texture tells a story. Each painting is a character with a unique name. If you know her well, she may just name a piece after you. If you're a powerful take-no-shit woman, that is. God, these about pages. <laughs> so, so good. I wish I could think of, like, what would in my essence be in abstract art? Said you might just name one after you if you order one. I, I like I just need, I guess, a girl sitting in the rain eating a chicken nugget. It kind of is my essence. I really like inclement weather, but also I do like to snack while feeling overwhelmed about not being able to solve the world's problems. Um, that's amazing. Please go to wyldfrontierdesignco.com to support. And I'm going to do the other two later because I talked for a little longer than usual when people filled out the form some people were providing a lot of context and some people weren't providing any and i just wanted i decided i needed to be more even and i just do my own research because i want to support these people anyway
1: hi kate i'm calling for a general question because amidst all of the um craziness that is happening in this world right now i am a native honor for someone's wedding and when i originally agreed to be a native honor i thought you know i knew their relationship pretty well and Now that the wedding is approaching, I've realized that their relationship is not the best, and multiple people have said that to her and to me. So I'm struggling to write a maid of honor speech. She's not my sister. I'm not related to her, and she's not someone I'd have in my wedding, so I don't really have a ton of inside jokes with her. So I was wondering, what's like an appropriate way to write a maid of honor speech for someone who you don't really necessarily think their marriage will work and or is a good fit for either person? And
0: I say this out of love. Thanks. Oh, my goodness. This is like bri- the bridal bridesmaid episodes all over again. But this is maybe like worse than those scenarios, uh, because, yeah, this is tough. Um, also, you're you're just making me laugh. You're like, so their relationship is doomed. And I say this out of love. Thanks. <laughs> you're funny. Um, OK, so. Well, here's the thing you didn't ask me. how i feel about this in on principle you asked me about the speech so i will just answer the question and not offer you my two cents so well a couple things one i sense a fundamental resentment with this position i love you i think you're wonderful you did say yes to this and as much as you can kind of reframe and as much as uh, if any ounce of you can see this as an honor you know like instead of writing a speech out of obligation just have you tried to sit down you know knock knock back a few have some have some wine in your veins sit down at night and start like journaling almost like how'd you like about your friendship how'd you meet have, have do you have a fun memory together what did you think about her before you met what what about after um what have you guys done together what do you share similarities like what about what do you think she sees in you why does she feel so close to you what value do you bring to the table and what does she bring if if i sense from your disapproval with the husband and the relationship that you think quite highly of her because if you didn't why would you care who she marries so if you can separate some of that relationship stuff, because I do know that kind of clouds it and, and affects, you know, kind of your respect level at times for people. Um, and like, imagine what you would say if she was sitting there with the perfect guy for her, with somebody you thought was amazing and you respected You know what I mean? Like, because it's for all, you know, he is that guy and your perception isn't necessarily in in alignment. I feel like, the way friends perceive relationships, you know, obviously, if it's like dangerous, if it's abusive, if there's a serious, if there's cheating, if there's a serious problem there, my God, intervene. But I do think that there's an interesting transition from your like, you know, early to mid 20s to later 20s to 30s, where when you're young and your friends are your family and you spend all your time together, you feel like you're a stakeholder in somebody's life. And when, you know, a guy comes along and tries to join the board, you want to vote, right? Like, You want to make sure it's the right fit. And when you're casually dating, that's kind of normal for friends to insert themselves. But when people get in serious relationships, you can't because they're they people have to make their own mistakes. They have to live their own life. As long again, as as nobody's getting hurt, um, or you know, cheated on or whatever, in which case I do think you have an ethical obligation there before somebody like signs a piece of paper. But I yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people don't approve of their friends' relationships and I guess it totally depends on what the main issue is. But at the end of the day, people inserting themselves is only going to make your friend distance herself from you if they don't want to get out of the relationship. Right. Um, so I think it might be helpful a little bit to like, think of her as like separate being single as a different, you know, earlier form of her that you knew or in the context of her sitting with the perfect guy, how happy would you be for, her? what would it mean to you? What would it look like? What would you say? And if you have it within you to assume that's how she's feeling, because I would hope if she really is marrying him, there's something there that's worth holding on to. There's something there that is worth in investing in and maintaining. It makes me very sad that anybody would feel stuck in a toxic relationship and think marriage would solve it. My God, it's like it's if, if your relationship is a, a two liter of coke that is already shaken up, marriage is the mentos you throw in there. It, it will explode. Um, great TikTok analogy. Wow. Uh, so yeah, I guess my first exercise would be the best case scenario is that you're actually writing from the heart, and I really think that even when you're frustrated and annoyed, and you you have writer's block and you sit down, and you think you have nothing to say. Just start writing. Just pick one prompt. Just write a sentence of how you met her, what you thought, what you remember, your first thing you did, your memory. So you know what I mean. And it will come back. These the memories aren't what I've learned through like this podcast and through just like tapping into different parts of my memory is like you think things aren't there, but once you get closer to them, you just keep digging up more and more and more. But you you have to break ground. Um, and any creative exercise, you you have to sit down and just start and break ground. And I think you'll be surprised at what comes out of that. If truly you don't like her that much, you there's some reason you have a tense relationship you're just not there you really don't approve it's bad 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 which is you know and i apologize if that's the case and my advice is completely null and void but um there's a formula you can follow it's like 90 seconds to two minutes it's safe you know if you want to go the comedic route people that have timing and delivery did a funny speech is awesome there's an ounce of you that feels unsure about the delivery go sentimental err on the side of sentimental (laughs) you can't lose there. You can lose with a bad joke. Um Introduce yourself. Try not to say, for those of you that don't know me, because everyone says that and it's really frustrating to me, even though just who cares? I just don't know why everyone says that. It's like, well, yeah, you're the man of honor. You're wearing the dress. It's all you it's all you at the church. Um, but obviously you need to introduce yourself. I just mean that as like the segue, but uh you introduce yourself and establish your connection to the bride. Um, I think it's you know, always really nice to acknowledge the beauty and the detail and whatever about the occasion to thank the parents or whoever paid for it whoever was instrumental in it i think it's really nice to call them out by name um and then all i need from you is like one anecdote and a handful of descriptors and compliments that you can throw her way she it's her wedding day she chose you to stand up there she deserves to be eulogized like i said i love to be eulogized while i'm alive i want to know what you love about me otherwise how the hell like why, why tell me when i'm dead That's why I love my wedding. I find I was like, oh, great. This is how people feel about me because I'm I'm words of affirmation. Oh, I'll write you a sonnet all day about how important you are to me. But like, that's just not for everyone. And you assume they respect and like you and are proud of you. But sometimes you really don't know. Um, So pick one anecdote, hopefully from that writing exercise. You said you don't have inside jokes. That's actually good. Inside jokes aren't funny, but personal anecdotes and stories are, you know, examples of your time together I think are great and you know brevity, it's it's on your side like people want brief I like long speeches but most people want brief so don't stress about having to do anything grand and don't worry about talking about him I think honestly most maid of honor speeches I hear are just about the bride and then they throw in a sentence at the last minute to the groomer they're like you found you know you you're you've got one of the good ones like you know what I mean or you're the luckiest man alive. Whatever. Just like toss it in at the end. He doesn't care. Is her, in my head, her name's like Sarah or Erica. <laughs> um, and after, you know, one anecdote, and when you get into like, this is how I feel about her. This is how wonderful you are. You're so lucky to have her, blah, blah, blah. All I ask is you open, you know, thesaurus.com and use your words. Pick descriptive language that doesn't feel generic, that feels like you put thought into it, If you're going to say bubbly, say effervescent instead of saying kind or sweet, say compassionate, generous, thoughtful, you know, intentional. There's just I I think that there's really impactful ways you can describe somebody when you choose words that are slightly out of the ordinary of your typical personality descriptors. Right. Do something more sentimental, more character, character driven um not like job interview things you know uh so yeah i i I would that i think is a good idea and i think you can kind of just close out um you know reassuring the groom what a lucky guy is that he found uh, one of the best ones that you're happy they found each other whatever it is that can be generic but be sure to raise your glass. be sure to encourage guests to raise theirs as well and finish by whatever toast you know love laughter happily ever after not my favorite uh, but to each her own. I'm trying to like I wish I could be more helpful in terms of like an, a generic angle to speak from. I mean, the only thing I was thinking is your your apathy t- <laughs> to me suggests that you're adult friends, like you haven't known her your whole life. Um, and maybe that's why this is a little bit weird to you. And I think you could almost come at, come from that angle because it's different and not in an insulting way that you're, you know, she chose a current friend, not a childhood friend as their maid of honor, but in like a um Talk about like why that's special and unusual, kind of from the standpoint of, oh, like I've you know I've been a bridesmaid many a time, but I've never gotten to do the speeches. I am third, fourth string at best. I am usually tossed in with a bunch of my childhood friends, and you know sometimes you don't really know where you stand with people when you're in their wedding party, but sometimes you get lucky enough to have people make it clear exactly where you stand. To be standing up here as one of your current friends. The honor doesn't do justice because what's amazing about adult friendships is that you realize at a point your whole life, you've just had friends. You never had to make them. And then you realize making them is quite hard. Beyond that, it's very hard to find good people. But when you meet people like Erica, you prioritize time for them in your life. You actively choose to be around one another. And instead of having the typical, you know, activity or sport or school or whatever spoon friendship. I actually think adult friendships are, can be quite special and meaningful in a sense of you didn't just end up in the same place, you know, and become friends over time. You actively chose each other. And uh, to be a current close friend in first position is something you don't take lightly. And, you know, what, what anecdotes you, you can't tell in terms of, you know, riding bikes or collecting beanie babies or whatever anecdotes that, you know, the slated childhood friend in the maid of honor spot would tell. You make up for with insert funny story here. You know what I mean? It's like mild. Like You can say it in front of grandma, but like, you know, you can make up for with whatever karaoke night you do or whatever, you know, bachelor viewing parties you have. I don't know, like something special you guys do to you. There has to be something. And I feel like you could make that a little bit funny, but make it like self self deprecating. Like people are in so many weddings. Sometimes it loses its meaning, but it is a big deal to be put in first position. Um, And you know i think if 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 they find it within you to actually be honored and really want to be a part of it at some point i think it might be cool to really like sit with that um and thank her for it because like in but i want the speech to be mostly about her not about like you and what the friendship means to you but i mean that could be an interesting angle to come from in terms of if you don't have like a specific anecdote you could talk about how you know high level your friendship's all the more meaningful because um it was formed in adulthood and by choice and it was fostered by your own decision making and you know thank you for allowing me to be part of your story right i don't know i'm too sentimental um the other thing is was she really stressed about covid was this postponed was she maybe going to postpone it was that like a big stressor i think there's something there too in terms of like literally anywhere anybody goes following quarantine is the maldives you know the, for for all intents and purposes, that country club ballroom is Bora Bora. And everything could go wrong. The DJ could only play the black eyed piece, could only play cel- Celebrate Good Times, Come On by Cool and the Gang. People be having the time of their lives because they're not inside, they're drinking an open bar, and they're living and interacting with people. And not that there's any like light, like a joke to be made about like a global health crisis, but I just mean in terms of the the, the, the high stress nature of trying to navigate a wedding in this time. Um, kind of offsetting that with like you know alternate theory, you cannot be in a better position to blow everybody's mind <laughs> with this occasion, right? anyways I didn't say that right, and also this is not me like saying what I would t- say in my speech exactly. I would never use half of that word choice, but I'm kind of explaining my thought process. Anyway, okay, now we move on to Rachel Hollis, but not before I thank our final sponsor. This week it is Skillshare. You guys know I love Skillshare. You guys know that i can't sing their praises enough especially uh, creativity is an outlet for me trying new things is like adrenaline for me it just sounds lame but really i just think we don't even know what we're good at until we try and um i you know may have stopped and started many a calligraphy or watercolor career or whatever but i had a great time doing it and i think it's just such a good release and it's important for self-care to you know explore and beyond creativity if you're an entrepreneur. If you're starting a business, all of the disciplines that I was self-taught by like a million browser tabs open on my computer, trying to like find disjointed piecemeal advice, hoping I'd get some consensus in order to be able to move forward. I wish I had known about Skillshare back then. I wish I had all of these organized classes and I'm getting ahead of myself. But uh, as you know, Skillshare is an online learning community with thousands of inspiring classes for creative and curious people where you can explore skills, deepen your existing passions, get lost in creativity. From productivity, you know, freelance and entrepreneurship, creative writing, film, video, design, illustration, um, user experience, design, marketing, animation. I mean, there's, there is there is such a broad range of practical business disciplines um, and, you know, purely creative artistic outlets. And I just think it's got something for everybody. And continued learning is just never a waste of time. This this year is just going to be intense. We're, we're in an election year. Like, things are going to be intense um i just am looking for outlets on outlets on outlets for ways to decompress it's a little hard to do that some days and um i just i love directing my focus elsewhere so in case you do too all around just a wonderful company um so if you want to give it a try there's like there's no reason not to do this because it's free and there's no you know no obligation um you can get two free months of premium membership at skillshare at skillshare.com slash be there in five that's two whole months of unlimited access to thousands of classes for free get started today by heading to skillshare.com slash be there in five f-i-v-e not the number five that's two free months unlimited access thousands of classes at skillshare.com slash be there in five
2: hey kate love that you're doing this series again would love to hear your input on uh, rachel hollis and her um divorce announcement and how uh not even a month before she talked about how she loves to make out with her husband so i know you always have an opinion about her and i would love to hear it um love to hear what you think about bird a la mode and your mormon mommy bloggers during all of this as well thanks
0: hi thanks for calling um so this is interesting because yes rachel hollis did announce her divorce i was very surprised because i don't know a ton about her but i do know that she has a relationship podcast i do know that like her husband is the ceo of her company right or was he left a big job at disney to become the ceo of her company he has his own like self-help motivational books their empire is very much built together and a lot of the content hinges on them as a couple and i've talked several times um i think one the first time I think I go into Rachel Hollis is of an episode called Murder and Macaroons. And then I think maybe and then "Visco Girl, Wash Your Face. Yeah. If you want to hear my thoughts on uh, Rachel Hollis in general, listen to "Visco Girl, Wash Your Face. I assume most of you have a vague idea if you listen to this podcast. Basically, I've you know, I've always kind of had issues with the tough love approach, the plagiarism controversies. The lack of acknowledgement of of uh, privilege and how your specific situation is so contingent upon any of her methodology working on this kind of like irreverent. I'm not like other girls um, harsh approach that make that has the danger of making women at best feel inadequate, at worst feel ashamed for the situations they're in and the fixed variables in their life. They can't prevent um her philosophy is very much like you like you're your own hero you can think yourself out of anything disrupt anxiety with gratitude sometimes trauma happens and if we're being honest part of us rejoices like what i'm that probably needs context but i saw that the other day and i was like oh my god but the thing is she also there's plenty of things she says that i'm in total alignment with i give a lot of advice too and i give we all give advice off of our own anecdotal experiences. I think the difference is most of us don't build self-help empires with minimal qualifications, with hugely subjective advice that only lends itself to a level of privilege uh, that is difficult to attain and that her target audience actually typically doesn't have. Just, And that's kind of an, a conjecture based on her... I uh, believe a bulk of her income comes from these like conventions and these MLM conferences. As we've talked about before, MLMs are notorious for preying on women in vulnerable positions. And the whole marketing s- language uh, surrounds kind of um, tapping into that to catch them when they're down and to give them this opportunity that very much isn't an opportunity at all. It's actually the opposite. It's actually. Often, I mean, if you listen to the Dream podcast, watch the Vice YouTube video about LuLaRoe. I mean, people lose themselves in these things trying to make them work. They lose you know, money. They lose friendships. They are stuck with all this inventory they can't sell. The companies don't actually back them whatsoever. You're being sold a girl boss feminist bill of goods that's only making males, you know, a C-suite of men richer. It's just, there's so many things that are frustrating. I don't want to make a blanket statement. I know not all MLMs are bad, but Rachel Hollis is very intertwined with MLMs. And this is a, you know, part of my issue with her is I think she genuinely started out from a good place. She hasn't had an easy life. Um, she found her brother, like when he killed himself, she has insane Pentecostal parents. She grew up in extreme poverty. Like, I I understand her... Um, I think she's she like quotes tyler perry in terms of like if you're a person that's genuinely had nothing something some quote like if you're a person who's who's had absolutely nothing you never feel like you'll have enough like there's this operation from scarcity on the one hand but also um this addiction and obsession with generating income at any cost and i think uh, she's talked about this before and um i get how it happens i'll talk a little bit more about this later but i just think that the mass commodification and the doubling down on a one-size-fits-all brand of self-help from a person who's not an md not a phd uh not a counselor you know doesn't have any sort of qualifications other than being like a regular person I'm here for a non-expert expert. expert. I'm here for somebody to share their experiences. You take it from what they will, but it not be positioned as how to transform your life. But once it was that, and once they brought in the reach and tried to like saturate (laughs) their demo, I think she kind of doubled down, took it herself as gospel. And what started out riding the wave transitioned in this ego sense of thinking you control the tide and wanting to absolutely dominate you know this space but the nature of what she does is it should be inherently unscalable to me like i know there's motivational speakers and whatever but um back circling back to the divorce what i think she's gonna have to do is like i mean she just put her most recent book was girls stop apologizing i think this is i think a catchy name for this would be the apology tour like i think she should just go around and apologize to people because what her teaching never really factored in well um and again it's so popular literally I, I i have no room to talk clearly if i was doing what she was doing i'd be better off i'm not saying i'm right i just my concern is just for uh women who want to believe this so wholeheartedly but are left feeling less than or not enough or um trying to change themselves in the wrong ways or who were talked about out of taking mental health seriously, who are body shamed. A lot of her messaging is super problematic. And again, you can listen to "Visco girl, wash your face where I go through like direct quotes, but her messaging never left a lot of room for flexibility and never left a lot of room for nuance. It never left a lot of room for like experimentation, mistake making and, Consistent evaluation of what isn't isn't working for you, and adjusting accordingly. The tough love, like play like a champion. I feel like sometimes she talks like kind of like a football coach. She there's a disconnect between um, the type of self help genre she's in and the empathy she exercises with people, and she almost didn't approaches things in this tough love manner. That's like everything's your choice. If something's broken, you fix it. You're the only thing in your way from anything you want be your own hero, write your own story and no matter what never quit. And if I understand correctly, a lot of the relationship advice was like about the commitment and about no matter what you figure it out, you like you're responsible for your own happiness, your spouse isn't. You're making yourself unhappy. Gratitude is the cure for anxiety. Like trauma is something like you delight like what? I'm laughing but it's not funny like she thinks you can will your way out of anything you can think your way out of anything and i think that she talks a big game of all these things these women should do and be and tells them they're falling short of of their potential and they should be you know here but the reason they're not is because of them and kind of shames them and their approach uh as being the reason that they're not more successful when there's plenty of you know systemic, financial, socioeconomic, location-based, there could not be more barriers to entry for especially self-made success, entrepreneurial success. It's, it's not that easy. It's not that straightforward. Forget money. The amount of time a person has to sink into something to build it, to make it work is something a lot of people don't have, especially a lot of women with kids don't have. And the messaging would be fine if it was predominantly to an echo chamber of women in her exact situation. But from the looks of these conferences and the types of companies she partners with, it seldom is. These companies are notorious for, for preying on women. And I think that that sort of harshness and lack of empathy and like the way you talk about commitment and, and personal responsibility and having so much control over how every single aspect of your life nets out to only have her turn around and have a complete loss of control and have something completely break that she told you was up to you to to make sure it remained unbreakable. She She's above her own rules, right? Like I think I think of people that have stayed in toxic marriages and, and you know, difficult situations that have started things they should have backed out of, but are on principle, think they need to be living this entrepreneurial dream and their day job isn't enough. Like I think of all the people that have, Adopted that messaging as gospel, and then what it must look like for your guru it's completely backtrack. Right? Um, they have a relationship podcast. Like the, the they talk uh, uh, from what I understand, they give a lot of relationship advice, and a lot of people have been taking this advice for a very long time, and they did not let on to any problems whatsoever. When your brand is built on authenticity, on transparency, on I'm one of you, I'm one of the girls, I'm your friend. Let's be real, 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 real. The more you have to say you're real is how I know you're maybe one of the people farthest from reality. Real is just something you are. It's not something you have to clarify you're doing. You know it's like you only are pointing it out if it's something you're not doing. And I just find that anytime anybody says that, whether on a reality show or a guru, it's just hilarious because it's um, I don't know, I just think it's an empty thing to say, and it draws attention to the fact that you're probably being extremely calculated in that moment but that's the thing is when you're scaling and commodifying a self-help message to be one size fits all to to establish a, an empire that's not necessarily based in like you know any sort of like product or skill or trade but just in your own super subjective unprofessional non-expert advice you have to double down you have to become a caricature of yourself you have to you have to believe your own bs more than anybody and you you kind of don't modify it you just crank it out when the size and scale she is at is simply not doable if you're actually being authentic and genuine in yourself and transparent and honest with your audience and to lie and say you're doing those things is really frustrating i hate manufactured vulnerability i hate when People use these terms and prey on this currency of relatability. People so crave in the people they look up to. It feels so manipulative to have your brand hinge on this implied and stated level of sincerity, only to find out you were lying or covering something up the whole time. Unless something specific happened in May, we're not aware of. These things don't happen overnight, right? But here's the thing: I think it's it's pretty normal to keep your problems private. You have to work with them on your own. Your family's sacred. She has kids does she need to air them out in public in most cases no but she is a self-help person she's giving relationship advice and that that's where it's kind of like wait a second well i do think it's kind of on us to understand that somebody at that size cannot be themselves because to scale is to automate and to automate is to be on autopilot and to be doing the same thing all the time over and over and this like never give up don't quit it's all your fault you uh, you control your own destiny narrative was always problematic because it didn't factor in well what if you're in a toxic relationship or what if you're in the wrong job what if it doesn't work what if you're not good at it what if you lose money what if there's uh, something happens like there are times when it, the priority needs to be stepping away for what is in your own long-term best interest i can't like remember what i've said and i'm sorry if i'm repeating myself i just i think the whole thing is is quite hypocritical and that's always been my problem and all that to say i think now with her divorce announcement and like putting all these pieces together it's actually quite fascinating to see somebody be both the purveyor and victim of their own delusions of of grandeur i I feel bad even saying this but it's almost like she's experiencing the outcome of taking her own bad advice because in never factoring in nuance and situations and the many, many variables that life throws your way that require a level of flexibility that her writing never had. But perhaps the bigger problem is that her next book is going to be absolutely, absolutely huge. It's going to dish on something people feel very confused and misled by, and it's basically going to articulate how little she was telling us about what was really going on behind the scenes, and thus conveying why you can't believe a caricature of somebody like a person you have to separate who they are as a person from their character and them pandering to what they think you need to hear as a woman as a human i want her i want the best for her i want the best for anybody and i want people to get out of toxic situations that's so important and that's the thing that's what she should have been telling people from the beginning there's so many things that happen in life that that you can't predict that you can't control and people disappoint you and people mistreat you and you have to be your own biggest advocate and so much of the mentality of uh, holding yourself hostage to a commitment you made a long time ago out of context, be it a marriage or a career goal or whatever it is, it, it, it serves the ego and not the soul. It's like the type of strategy that prevents you from the perception of failure by other people instead of the type of strategy that actually empowers you to fight for what's best for you um when you stay in something or stick with something that you your heart's no longer and that you no longer want to be in that you've worked at that you haven't been able to improve that's holding you back and you stay in it just so it doesn't look like you quit that isn't the right thing to do and a lot of her philosophy kind of lies in that like never give up sort of thing which i am a full believer in giving up sometimes i give up all the time actually ask my calligraphy career ask my watercoloring career Ask me first several book proposals. I could literally go on and on forever. I spent way too long on this question. But first, just some other context from people in the Facebook group and who I've talked to over DM. And I was reading about what she's been up to so I can just at least be give you... I'm just, like, waxing poetic about how I can't say what she says again. Apparently, she was writing a health book um, in recent months that was supposed to come out. And... Or she said after girl stop apologizing that the next book was a health book and that in like their content more recently this is a bigger topic and i think dave is her husband or ex-husband is into health and they like started an app and like the the release was really confusing the outcome of the second of the third book about health was confusing and people kind of thought they were in the process of a rebrand um she did she postponed the release of the health book but beca- what i think people thought was because of like covid19 it not really being the right time um but she mentioned that there was like a story on her heart that she had to communicate at some point and like took off all this time to write a book i remember seeing that on tiktok i don't know but i think what was also weird is that in like the they you know thick of it in terms of content being very much shifted to black lives matter toward elevating black voices to people expressing their disdain with the system like the you know social media the past few weeks has been a different place it's been an important place and it's i've loved seeing the sustained result of people being more cognizant of the perils of systemic racism and the you know the, the the responsibility white people should feel to be actively combating it and it's not the most intuitive thing to post about for a lot of people i think it's been uncomfortable for a lot of people which is important because that means you're even more immersed in the problem because you probably know it won't be met you know that swimmingly by everybody which means you can change minds which is amazing and she definitely has the audience where she could be changing minds um and to be like i I haven't posted on my static feed like i just have storied a ton I, i don't really use my static feed that much um so i'm not saying like i'm some sort of content queen over here but i think that she didn't really talk about anything with the you know with george floyd or the protests or black lives matter and um she just like drops this divorce announcement and is like we're going silent on social media like she almost even when i first read it i was like divorce but then i was actually super focused on the note she made that um we hope you can understand our need to process these changes away from social media uh and like letting them step away allowing them a human human moment and like the inability of people to like hold her accountable to being more vocal because she's going through such like a difficult time in her life I think that was a bit off-putting to people I don't know I those type of PR moves I just as a human being I have a hard time believing because that would be so ridiculous but I honestly what do I know uh so yeah I mean I have uh, I need to (laughs) cut myself off but I just, I I have all the thoughts on coaches and gurus in general. I, I, you know, I've had so many like book agents and stuff uh, kind of suggest the next direction I should go with like what I write, uh, what the, the, I really struggle sometimes because I like the real girl advice from a non-expert expert, you know, like I'm a non-expert expert, but I've had a ton of experiences and I'm always like not sure what to share and, how to caveat it and it it is it is tricky and honestly a lot of we we've given a lot of the same advice like i i don't know it's 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 funny like there sometimes i laugh because i will go in pretty hard and i'm like but i don't disagree with everything because i think that a, a huge part of my messaging is like i just want i just want women to like crush it and do all the things and be in all the leadership positions and start the companies and like I just think there's so much untapped talent because there's a series of things I've consistently found on consulting calls and within myself that get in people's way that I want people to be mindful of. And I and I want to encourage people to try things and to step outside of their comfort zone. That's something that I really genuinely do care about. And this is something she talks about a lot, too. What is what needs to be uh, caveated up and down? And I need to be better about this, too, is. The advantage you fundamentally come from, and how much of your experience is your own income, your own situation, and this is why I am obsessive about like, for the love of God, don't quit your job. Like, for the love of God, you have to do uh, it has to be financially feasible first. And for the love of God, a nine to five job is great. Uh, uh, Any job is great. Like, you don't have to quit your day job, and you don't have to want for more, be more, whatever. All I want is for people to do exactly whatever the hell it is they want. And I my priority is making sure you lean into those inclinations. And if there's a way you can figure out to make them work to go for it, because you're capable of a lot more than you can perceive within your current reality. Like I just I I believe that and I've seen it time and time again with people um, that have kind of bet on their potential, despite it being uncomfortable and despite being pretty harshly judged for it. And I just. I don't know. It's like if everyone in your life is like, I don't know, I don't know, kind of talking you out of it. I just want to be a person that talks you into it uh, so you don't miss out. But I also never, ever, ever would tell somebody to overextend themselves, to buy inventory up front, for example, to put their family, uh, you know, in a a financially compromising position. Um, I would never tell somebody with serious mental health issues they could will their way out of it sorry you can hear tugboat i just i honestly just had an arby's roast beef delivered tug honey please i have one thing (laughs) arby's makes me i don't know i'm just like i'm not sleeping i feel stressed The, the state of the world is just i don't know i know you guys get it um it's not it's not even directly affecting me it's just like geez this the rest of this year is just going to be one big ball of stress and i need to figure out how to cope better um when there's so much like tension and disappointment with leadership and it's like, I don't, it's it's, it's so consuming. You almost want to, there's too much to do and you don't know where to start. And I don't know, I, whatever. I just am not, I'm not feeling the best, but I am going away tomorrow for the first time. I've been on a vacation in three years. Like, I'm fine. Don't feel bad for me. It's just, I haven't been somewhere that wasn't for a wedding to like chill. And I haven't, you know, really seen grass or trees and I've been in this city for months now. So anyway, hopefully that will, I, I think it's good to like reset. Um, to get out of your routine right to vacate your life that's the whole point but anyway uh what was i talking about oh like general gurus and coaches well also i i'm actually very interested if there's like an enneagram or myers-briggs or some sort of connection to personality type and a type of person that wants to get all of their information from one person to me it's like pretty illogical and it's not i don't idolize people in that way and I don't I would hope nobody I'm nobody's end all be all I'm so appreciative for your listenership your patronage your interest your all of that but like I assume and hope I'm all one of many sources where you get your you know thoughts advice input from right like I am not qualified to be your guru I would never position myself in that way the the Jay Shettys the Tony Robbins like why are you paying someone eight thousand dollars to yell at you if you want to be yelled at in general you can get that for free just cut in line at a tj maxx like but tony robbins she's like shames god i can't anyway uh i guess yeah if i haven't made it crystal clear that i'm not qualified to be any sort of self-help or spiritual leader i want to be a normal person that if it's helpful that I say things you identify with, or that helps you process anything, like that's amazing. I'm just, I'm not qualified for any of that, and um, I can only share my own limited life experiences and observations. And I never want anybody to feel like they need to operate within the realm of what I think or believe. You know, it's not. I, I, I that whatever the opposite of tough love is, that's my vibe. I'm just. <laughs> i'll continue to give subjective advice i think it's so important we share our stories this is my show and i have to talk about myself and like yeah you can't beat yourself up over your own subjectivity but you can prevent um you know the way the message goes out in terms of it needing to be accepted as truth it needing to be accepted as the only way in terms of telling or promising people that it will change their life in terms of charging people because you think your subjective advice will change their life when like i don't really know if the track record's there because if it were she would be hiring women that are examples of going through her program who have been better off as a result but she always teams up with a bunch of male uh, thought leaders and ceos and stuff at these conferences these rise conferences it drives me insane anyway i'm officially going to drop that maybe we'll see if i make it through the episode um a ton of people ask me if i've been to home goods yet you guys are the best and actually, I do. I think about Rachel Hollis a lot at HomeGoods, and I'll tell you why. Well, first, as of now, it opened Monday. It's Tuesday, and I saw so much stuff was on clearance. Honestly, I don't need anything. I like. I'm I'm gonna go sniff the candles once I catch the vibe of like if we're putting our noses in stuff and like how if I can smell through my mask, it's not and it's not working, right? Yeah. So like that's the 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 joy's kind of sapped from it for me. I want to go buy some dog toys. You know, I, I like to check out the the latest in bar stools, like who's still you you know, doing nail heads, who's tufting? Are, are we full mid-century mod still or are we full on industrial? As I told you on the caller Daddy Issues episode, my pending media company Barstool Jorts, you know, you just never know when I'm gonna need some min But I actually do like to look at the bar stools. What am I talking about? Oh yeah, home goods, yeah. Um, I actually was gonna talk about home goods earlier, but then didn't because I was gonna go off on a tangent, but I guess I can not go on this tangent now because Part of the way I theorize about Rachel Hollis's success, I forget if I said this earlier, um, is the capitalization on what is kind of like a popular mentality at the time. Well, I get they should back up. Like, okay, when you think about um what's kind of popular to talk about culturally in the ways people talk about themselves, their families, being a parent, you know, going to school, whatever it is, like it's, it's similar to how television used to be like The O.C. and Laguna Beach and the hills and lifestyles of the rich and famous—it was all aspiration. It was all unattainable. We wanted to watch the things we couldn't have. Over time, you know, and then we get Pinterest. Everything's curated. All these people that are allegedly normal and just like us had these lifestyles. We also found unattainable, despite being told we could overhaul the electrical work in our beach house renovation. I think mid twenty tens, people get tired of that. There's a tangible shift to relatability, to authenticity, to transparency and as a society we place more weight and the currency is way more in being a real person flaws and all it's in relatability and it's not in unattainability and um fascination for things we don't have kind of became disgust for conspicuous consumption and i've i've talked about this a lot especially in like i think i talk about it in millennial and bar carte blanche like i think the 2010s are really interesting in this way and this like if i want to provide a legit argument or thesis i would provide data but this is just my perception uh especially because even start like think about being a mom for example it's more of a goopy gwyneth paltrow goopy um holistic in-home water birth you know eat your placenta give natural childbirth you know what i mean like i just think there was a time when the discussion surrounding motherhood was very much like it's a joy it's a gift and people didn't talk badly about their kids and you know you guys know what i mean like not talk bad about your kids but like now it's way more popular and i'd say revered even to be quote-unquote real and to com- actively complain about being a parent um why whatever do what you like like what you do i don't care the way but i just think there was an interesting shift that happened from a holistic mommy to wine mommy and like over the course of a decade um and i think like yeah like i was saying with memes with sort of that shift from aspiration to relatability kind of the cultural shift to women and uh, n- there being more um allusions to women not being like other girls it's definitely a trend look at the reddit thread r slash not like other girls And being on the early end of that is important because e- there's a sense of things being like unpopular and irreverent when they're just starting to go mainstream but aren't so mainstream where they're trite yet, and I think it's it creates this experience of like everyone thinking they're really different, and there's like purchase power and just general empowerment and solidarity and community and in, in that and feeling not like other girls when in this really like meta way almost the um, satisfaction one would feel being early to any trend that does something different in terms of not being like other girls the trend itself 2015 onward um and i think that her book came around this time when we all were first being like i'd rather be eating tacos right you know and i always use that example but um home goods towels are the eyes to the soul of society and go down any home goods aisle and it, what once was a smattering of you know light food puns you know i don't want to talk about it or whatever it's now a who's who of like everything happens for a reasoning, you had me at merlot when life gives you lemons grab the vodka and call the girls or you know it's like drinking towels or popular songs often like in the hip-hop rap r&b space converted into food puns like chop it like it's hot like watch me whip like you know with um what's that thing called that you like scramble eggs with wow 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 whisk why wouldn't it be watch me whisk they usually have a whisk on it or um i like big bunts and i cannot you know the the usual suspects (laughs) so it's typically like alcohol related puns that are like oh i drink so much um or dish towels that are puns having to do with like semi-dated songs, which is fine. Or it's their food puns that are like just a smidge pervy, you know, um, or like not or not pervy, but like suggestive or have a curse word in them like bitch peas. That's what cheese said <laughs> on a spoon. I don't know. Rock out with your crock out. Send nudes and it's like a bowl of ramen noodles. You know what I mean? I I literally saw a towel on the internet that said, What was I looking for? Oh, I was looking for like one of those Koontz uh replica like dogs. It's a long story. There was one one on a dish towel, and it simply said, Make today your bitch. it was like, whoa. <laughs> Whisk peas. <laughs> Give me a break. That didn't work. Oh my god, what was I talking about? Okay. Yes, so I, I I actually think that there was a cultural shift to um, manufactured irreverence throughout the 2010s, which I don't think is a bad thing because I think it allowed women to exist on the internet more imperfectly, to incorporate more humor in their shortcomings, and the entire purpose of meme culture is to imagine a scenario with the with text and words that is received as hyper-specific, yet unrealized to be quite universal. So engagement is high and reach is high. Um and I just think meme culture infiltrates our lives in more ways uh than we even know. And Rachel Hollis coming on the scene when she did with Girl Wash Your Face was a good example of how people were really embracing this irreverence at the time. I'd say now we're a little bit past that. It seems a little bit tired. Um, a lot of those hand towels are on clearance, and we're moving in directions of you know I don't know stripes. <laughs> you know we're getting back to basics, which for that I'm grateful. But the the joke too is I I sold a mat with words on it. Like I get it. Mine were originally designed to be functional with like turn off your straightener, turn off your curling iron, turn off your oven stove, coffee pot, phone, keys, wallet. Like they were all originally reminders. But then over time, the custom orders were always like save water, drink wine uh what was the like stop and smell the rose like i had shoes off beaches you know like i i I get it i capitalized on it too and i think that was a big reason i'd be there in five's initial success because nothing like very few things had words on them that were meant for like millennial mainstream most of the things that had words on it in 2014 were like you know home sweet home gather bless this mess you know but I I think now everything has words on it which is great but it's a large reason of why I kind of felt like my innovation was tapped out and I just want to like license the actual reminders themselves and um, I had a manifesto on my website when I started I think it's still there it's talking about like the entire point of naming the brand be there in five of having products that require people to embrace their shortcomings is that I felt like the internet was making me feel more inadequate than inspired and you guys know I'm obsessed with Pinterest and stuff and Everything was curated and I wanted to be there in five to be a brand that like didn't take itself too seriously. And, and you know, w- was kind of uh, p- through a product and admission of like not having to be perfect. Like that's actually something that meant a lot to me at the time. And it's funny now because it's way more popular now to not be perfect and way more cliche to announce that you're new, unique because you're not perfect. Does that make sense? <laughs> anyway, sorry.
1: Hi, Kate. It's Hillary from Canada, and I love the podcast. I'm a loyal Patreon listener, and I can't get enough. I was inspired by Lucy on the Ground's Instagram about a potential Real Housewives of Chicago, and I need to know, who is your dream cast of Real Housewives of Chicago? Mine is you, Lucy on the Ground, and Kinsley. Thank you.
0: Thank you for reminding me. I just texted Lucy and asked if she wanted to get a drink with me tonight. I just made like random reservations when Chicago announced that the stay at home was being lifted and I like just forget about them and then realize I have like this has been the depressing part of coming out of quarantine. It's like all I wanted to do was go somewhere and see people. But then it's like, do I have anywhere to be and do I have anyone to see? It's uh yeah, yeah I don't want to go down that road. But anyway, per Real Housewives of Chicago they did cast for and i think they filmed at least a sizzle i'm not sure if they did a season andy said several times it never they never quite found the right cast i have several theories about this there's different angles you could you could approach with chicago there's kind of like you know there's a lot of very famous bloggers and influencers here that could be an angle there's like the socialite vibe of, of tinsley or i you know even recommend like a juliana rancic um the like you know jenny mccarthy i don't know like there's those there's semi-celebrities that live here. And I'm sure people that run in their socialite circles. Um, But there's also like kind of the mob vibe that there's like a mob vibe Chicago, wasn't there? I also think that it could be a really great opportunity to showcase the incredible black women that have there's a there's a lot of really amazing black female CEOs in healthcare and education that work at Northwestern University of Chicago. I think they've either filmed or they're talking about filming a married to medicine here. I think Chicago, um, so much of the news that comes out of it is about like, you know, the the crime and the horrible things that happen and the South Side gets unfairly stereotyped. And I think there would be a huge opportunity to tell a a different story, to showcase all of the success stories and to showcase the strength of community in so many parts of Chicago outside of the wealthy, you know, northern suburbs. But um, I don't know. I, I think that. What I imagine happened. i I honestly think people here are kind of normal and i don't say that to dismiss people not being normal in other places but it's it's a city where a lot of people grew up in or around it It, it's less transplant oriented It's new york and san francisco and la like uh, most people are transplants and they go there to start over or you know build their own network and it's i've found it's easier to make friends in other cities chicago it's near impossible because everybody has their friends from high school or college they probably went to a big 10 school nobody's recruiting for friends i I never get invited anywhere um and i say that not to like i have my own friends but i mean in terms of making brand new ones and making them consistently like it's just people don't really i don't know it's like the night a very nice city but it's not like a friendly and um inclusive city (laughs) if that makes sense i and i said this on instagram once and a lot of you reach out and you're like oh my god yeah like i've had a lot of trouble making friends here you're not crazy and i need to do more like meetups networking stuff so you guys can all meet each other but um i think that due to the not really necessarily having the type of people that move somewhere for a specific reason that want to make it maybe want to be famous or in a certain industry there is like a normalcy and a lack of drama there that people are just kind of like living and we have less I don't know, like we have less characters as a result. It's very cold half the year. I think a lot of, you know, just it's like culturally different. And I it's it's not as like exclusive and society based. And I just don't see it being the same as as other cities. And I, I don't know. I just wonder if it's like a little too boring. <laughs> I know I'd be boring as hell. I mean, trust me, I would love to see Lucy and Tinsley on TV i'd be a friend of i don't i think i'd be a god-awful housewife um i don't think my humor would come across well on a talking head i'd come across like carol radseyville and her like scripted jokes because i'd probably been like stewing on some comeback i wish i said during a situation for like weeks and then i sit in the chair and i'm like it makes sense that tinsley's now the coupon queen because i have to discount everything she says <laughs> i'm so stupid you know what i mean Just like some sort of punny, like Bethany style one liner with really poor delivery Um, and like glam I did myself. That is just like an incredibly muddy, unflattering contour and relative to like, you know, I'm just a before picture of Dorit. You know, if you look at Dorit when she uh, there's a a video of her from like 10 years ago when she was at her fashion show for her swimwear line and um, she didn't have an accent and she looked like a normal human like me that's like that is who i am now i'd love a glow up It just i don't know isn't great for tv but anyway would i love to make an appearance now and again absolutely um i don't think i would ever get cast i don't like conflict i am a little controlled like i don't get blackout drunk like, I'm just always a little aware of what I'm doing, you know? I, and I've, throughout life, I've wished I was more fun. I wish I maybe took a little bit more risk socially sometimes. Um, but if there were cameras around, especially, and I knew my parents were watching, it's just, it's not me to, like, let loose. I just don't see any planet in which I'd, I'd be remotely entertaining. Oh, also, I'm obsessed with Chance the Rapper's Wife. She'd be really good. Her name's Kirsten. She's beautiful. I'm obsessed with Chance the Rapper. He's done so much for Chicago. Like he's such a philanthropist. He's an and he's a fully independent artist. He's like technically a SoundCloud artist. That's his. His he's never been on a label. He's been nominated for seven Grammys and has never been with a record label. He's completely self-made. I'm. It's coming out of the you know Chicago high school. It's just quite crazy. And Kirsten's his high school sweetheart. And I don't know whatever. Anyways, um, <laughs> thanks for asking the question. That's probably not a great answer. I think there's a lot of different ways it could be interesting. But at the same time, I fear we just do not have the personalities or wealth necessarily of a what I think are the all-star seasons, like you know New York and Beverly Hills and Atlanta. It's like I don't even know if that can be recreated. Like it's it's so hard to tell what is formulaic and what is pure unadulterated magic. You know. All right, the last two businesses I wanted to feature. One is called. Caraté. Yeah, karate. I think it means shea in French, like, uh, beurre de karate. Um, well, shea-, shea butter, I mean. <laughs> Anyways, this is an awesome company. It was founded by three sisters from Ghana, and for years they searched for a natural skin moisturizer that compared to the raw, unrefined shea butter that they grew up using, to no avail, and, um, with diverse backgrounds that include dermatology, marketing, sales, law, economics... They set out to recreate the traditional formulation that eluded them for so many years. So Karate's dermatologist-created products feature natural ingredients such as high concentrations of raw, unrefined shea butter and palm oil sourced directly from Ghana and organic coconut oil from the USA. I love that it's run by three sisters. I love that they're sourcing the product directly from Ghana that they grew up with. It's so cool. But anyway, I'm, I'm here for a high quality organic product. I just think it's so cool that they are recreating something that they grew up with and are able to support the economy of Ghana while being entrepreneurs in the States and working together as sisters. These, they're like, I was reading these, these the bios are, ins- these women are insanely accomplished. Damn. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I get really distracted because I'm so fascinated. But um, if you want to check it out, go to my. Karate.com. that is m-y-k-a-r-i-t-e dot com it's been it's been in cosmo it's been in vogue essence yahoo daily mail people style on blackish like damn these girls are crushing it anyways um thank you for submitting that i think uh, and now i'm forgetting one of our listeners is friends with one of the founders which is so so cool so okay last but not least i'm actually obsessed with this story (laughs) Um, okay. So this is going to, uh, I actually want to dive into this more at a later date. And I also do want to discuss more about how to support black winemakers. And I do, um, I would love to get them on the podcast. I don't know if that'd be possible, but anyway, so the McBride sisters wine collection, it's a story of two sisters and their passion for wine, but they grew up continents apart. Okay. They, they didn't know each other existed. One grew up in monterey california stunning one grew up in marlborough new zealand they which are two like insanely beautiful places that have really amazing wine countries um and they independently developed an appreciation for the craft of fine winemaking living across the world from one another and being unaware that the other existed for nearly half their lives and Despite being 7,000 miles apart, the sisters would eventually find their way to each other in 1999. I, ha- I mean, guys, I hope, they're- I hope they've sold a screenplay. Like, this is... I have goosebumps. So upon meeting, Robin and Andrea quickly discovered they shared the same passion for wine and had remarkably similar upbringings growing up amongst the vineyards. Robin and Andrea created the McBride Sisters Wine Collection to unite their parallel lives and passions. Now the largest African-American-owned wine company in the United States, the collection of wines represents a genuine sense of place. Both the New Zealand and, C- and central coast of California wines are true expressions of each region's terroir and the McBride Sisters' signature style, a blend of old world elegance and new world finesse. Yes. you probably You've One of their l- wine labels, a part of their collection is Black Girl Magic. You might have heard of that. They're, anyways, they're amazing. Check them out, McBrideSisters.com. You have to be 21 or older to get on the site, obviously. But I... If it's, or do people under 21 listen to this? I'm not sure. Probably a good thing for me to know, right? Anyway, guys, on to the next question.
3: Hello, Kate Lila. Um, my name is Carrie, and really quick, I just wanted to tell you <laughs> I am a huge fan. Um, I think I've listened to everything you've put out at least twice. Um, yeah, so thank you so much for sharing your personality with us. That's over. Um, I wanted to ask you a pretty general question. Um so I and a lot of my friends like me um are in college and we are single um so yeah, I love my life, I love my friends um, I'm gonna be a junior in college next year, um but yeah, I'm single, and I live in the south as I know you did growing up. um so how do you just what's your biggest piece of advice to? Not to come to like a culture that says that you need to find your spouse before graduation or you are an old hag. Um, because I think sometimes I try my best and, um, a lot of my friends talk about this. We try our best to say yes, like we are independent women, like we are amazing, whatever, but that's hard to do sometimes, especially when everyone around you seems to be coupling off. So yeah. General question.
0: I hope I made sense. Love you so much. Thank you. Bye. Oh my gosh, Carrie, you are an angel. <laughs> I truly Okay, so it's Thursday morning right now at like 4:30 a.m. I'm leaving to, like today this morning. I just had a lot of like stuff to do and then I needed to get this podcast up but kind of at the last minute. I scrapped a question like a segment that I just like I don't know I didn't it did it didn't want it in the episode um just because I sometimes I'm just I, I cut so much stuff I'm just like I'm annoying stop talking and I just sat down like I'm just very tired um <clears throat> but I want to answer as many of these as I can so I was like let me just see what's like next in the docket and like you just turned my life around you just that was so nice thank you for saying those nice things i hope i get to meet you at some point um all i mean everybody that calls in is so sweet and i feel like by the time i get to the end of your voicemail i forget the nice things you say and i forget to thank you for them and i'm focused on your question but like you guys are just so cool um thank you for being so kind to me and for entrusting me with your questions and carrie i mean like well okay a couple things one I was at one point an independent woman, woman, but like, I'll be honest, I was always an independent woman who like would have like I I I wanted a boyfriend so badly. I was very consumed by not having one. I was very jealous of other people who did. And I think what's I'm glad to hear is how much you love your life and I and that's all that's what matters, right? Like I think any the older you get, the more you'll catch yourself Feeling like you need something and you'll ask yourself, do I want this on principle? Do I want this because everyone else tells me this is what I want? Or do I want this because this is actually something that I need, something that serves me, um, something that adds value to my life. And I think, you know, what I hear is kind of like you already are fulfilled in so many ways and you and your friends are like, we're great. And you're right. You are. You don't need anybody. You, You don't need to succumb to any of that pressure um but i understand in certain moments it's tempting to uh, fall to feelings of inadequacy or to feel like you're doing something wrong or to feel like you're behind or to listen to that noise but trust me when i say you're you're doing it right you are absolutely you and your single friends Uh, like if you you meet somebody great that you you know genuinely love and want to be with that's awesome too you don't have to that's the whole point right like Do exactly whatever the hell it is you want, as long as you own the decision. You don't backtrack. You don't apologize for it. And you can genuinely sit with. You know, I said this earlier. I say it all the time. Like, sit knowing that even if you make a mistake, even if it doesn't turn out well, all that matters is that it's it's your mistake. It's it's your decision to make. It's you're you're doing things that are your choice all all i want young people to have are are options and i don't want people to be influenced by tourists in their life and when you're young it's very hard to imagine the people in your immediate life now won't be in it forever many of them will be and it's incredible but a lot of people especially people you date it's very hard to adequately gauge the trajectory of your relationship and if, if you're anything like me relationships are very consuming and um or lack thereof i'm not going to pretend like i was some you know boss bitch that was just like stomping around Blacksburg, virginia like i own the place no i was like watching gilmore girls in bed with wonton soup and like occasionally going to frat parties which was fine and i loved my friends and stuff but i definitely felt a void and i just didn't feel like people loved me like they loved my friends and I think since I wanted to be inside more and didn't want to be partying, I, it would have made more sense for me to have somebody to hang out with one-on-one. Like I was very jealous that people like, I don't know what, like stay in and eat snacks and wa- watch movies. That's all I wanted. <laughs> um, that's why I said like, I'm happy. Like the, the, you being content is what matters. And even though, even people that aren't content with that situation, it's like my lack of contentment wasn't in needing somebody else. It was just in like the college wasn't my time. Like, you don't have to be having the time of your life when everybody else is. But if you are, that's amazing. And if you've you said you've listened to my episodes, perhaps even twice, in which case you're going to think I'm a broken record. Um, I, I said it before. I'll say it again. I want to write a personal thank you note to every guy that broke my heart, that rejected me, um, that did what i couldn't see at the time which was giving me the gift of options giving me the gift of full jurisdiction over my life my future my decisions my career um all the if if you found somebody in college that you love that's great a lot that can work and it does a lot of times there is nothing i wish for anybody your age more than pure unadulterated freedom do whatever the hell it is you want with your life and nothing pains me more than watching young women make decisions for boyfriends boyfriends like people that are not even permanent fixtures in their life young women that let themselves be controlled like the the level of wing clipping that can happen at your the age you're at right now is so severe and the damage that can be done from controlling or jealous or Relationships or the other people don't kind of let you explore and let you have space, and like, I just sometimes I feel genuinely spooked that, if I were in a serious relationship in college, which is the one thing I wanted so desperately, I feel spooked that if the thing I wanted most had happened, I would have missed out on my entire life. I would have not taken the job in New York I wouldn't have I wouldn't have moved I wouldn't have started over I I wouldn't have any of this because I had no idea I could do any of this I I had no idea this was in my like I I I don't know how I I sound I feel like I sound crazy but like I'm trying to speak calmly because (laughs) I don't want to like rant I feel like I always rant about these things with like what you said about like the old hag comment and like pressure from people but Anybody who calls you an old hag or anything close to that, similar to why investment banks or fraternities haze, it's a mentality of a person who was put through something or regret something or they had to deal with something that they didn't want to deal with or don't want to deal with. And the way they deal with it is making other people deal with it. And Anybody who tells you you need to get married, be in a relationship, that you're an old hag is the oldest of the hags, the haggiest of the hags. Like they are are a person who do not make decisions for themselves and are so unhappy with their lives. They want to project that onto other people because they want to convince themselves that that is what is required of a woman and that they themselves could not have had any other options. They're trying to fit you into the mold that they fit into some that might work for some people. Sure. But I firmly believe anybody who loves you, who has your best interest in mind, who wants to see you succeed, who wants to see you thrive, A, respects you enough that even if they don't agree with your decisions, they respect you enough to know that you're making the right one for yourself and they don't think they deserve majority stake in your life those are boundaries you've just set as an adult like i talked about parents you know tra- transitioning from managers to consultants like when you're an adult and they, they literally don't oversee you pay for stuff like like you kind of have to slowly over time set boundaries and push back and have uncomfortable moments and conversations where you notice you're not agreeing as much anymore but you are getting more confident and knowing what y- your needs are and in paying far more putting far more stock in them than you are in satisfying other people and that's something i definitely learned to do with age and felt more confident to do with age because it's at some points it feels easier to just appease people than go go through the the growing pains the discomfort of, of your relationship evolving and changing and i don't know so one anybody who loves you who wants the best for you is going to respect your decisions regardless even if they're not you know even if it takes them a minute two i don't care how many times you have to say it i don't care how many times you have to fight it i don't care if you have to remind your friends i don't care if nobody agrees with you your self-worth should not and and, and absolutely cannot be tied to somebody else you cannot value yourself based upon your relationship status and anybody who makes you feel that way makes you feel less valuable makes you feel unlovable or unwanted or like something must be wrong with you for not having a boyfriend at what you're what are you 22 maximum i mean truly it's it's truly deeply sad to me that especially women in the south are so stuck in living a life of shitting all over themselves because everyone told them what they should be and how they should act and what they should do and when they should get married and you know previous generations were more defined by social norms and you know it's no fault of their own but like i think there's two fields of thought um in terms of how you respond To your own experiences and how that impacts your children or the generation after you in terms of the people you interact with. I think you see it as, well, I had to do this, so therefore you have to too. Or you can see it as I had to do this. This is what I didn't like about it. This is what I wish was done differently. And this is the grace I want to give you. This is the space I want to give you. This is the, you know, cycle I want to break. Uh, the, The latter. The, the the group the latter group those are the people i respect those are the people i want to surround myself with those are the mentors i want the, the, that those are the opinions i take you, you can't take the opinion of someone you don't respect you're not going to inject something you find fundamentally not respectable into your uh into your life but um it's not to say those opinions don't affect you but i just think that like a lot of the old south arguments for social norms for marriage for babies for all the things i think it has a a, sometimes a little to do with a person's own bitterness and i think it has something to do with just a level of inflexibility that like sure enjoy that but if we just don't live in a world anymore where women don't have options and a lot of women fought very hard to have these options beyond just my argument for why anybody's a garbage human who's putting pressure on you to get married because they that it means they don't have your best interest in mind because you know what's in your best interest meeting somebody when you're ready meeting somebody when you're like established meeting somebody you could kind of take or leave the relationship meeting somebody who you will build a relationship with upon a sustainable foundation which is that of two fully formed confident adults that are actually wanting to get in a relationship and not sliding into one i really do believe that was that article was like a wall street journal article a long time ago The big differentiator between young relationships that last and don't or just, I guess, relationships in general or the the people that slide versus the people that decide. A lot of people have boyfriends in college and right after college and then everybody starts to get married and have kids or whatever. And you're like, well, I'm here. You're here. This is good enough. You're kind of used to the M.O. Um, And you slide into marriage when you meet somebody and date them and choose each other and aren't forced or pressured by any sort of external factors that are guiding your decision it's just pure free will you're deciding like you're choosing each other like i i think that I just, I think that's all I want for people. I just, it's what I started with too. It's like, it's, it's important for people to know when they're young, you are so much more than you are now. You, you have so much ahead of you. Like you, you have no idea the incredible things you're going to do. And if you find somebody who is your biggest fan, who cheers you on, who will grow with you in parallel and, and allow you to have your own life and your own ambition, that's a, an incredible, beautiful, important thing. But a lot of times, young, immature relationships don't have that health that enables a person well, enables both people to to grow in the way that they should be in your 20s. Right. Like you're supposed to be enduring a rapid rate of of, of change in so many ways. It's a really transformative decade. And I think what infuriates me about people, you know, the old hag of it, all, like you said, the people pressure you know <clears throat> pressuring you to find your spouse in college and all that bs it's like it just it, it enrages me that the perception is like well you went to high school you went to college you did this now, you were in a sorority great so your independent life is tapped out And then only obvious next step for you is to be a wife and mother <laughs> like that's how i perceive it and i think it's a lot of like me just i don't know being dramatic because i get so frustrated with this sort of um situation but um it's just it's so it's it's rude it's dismissive it undermines women's potential it forces them into relationships they don't need to be in it makes people slide into marriages that they never should have committed to and it you know robs people of the opportunity to do what they should be allowed to do in this one short life which is meet a lot of people have a lot of experience date around figure out what you want instead of falling into a situation by default actively choosing a situation that is extraordinary like that that, that is possible and this is not me rachel Hollis, saying like speaking in of like platitude like no but i just honestly mean it's, it's a it's a matter of like refusing to settle and refusing to let other people have the power to define how you feel about yourself to tell you what makes you valuable I don't know if I've given you like any tangible advice. I'm just like rambling. I'm this is me. This is my like tired ramble where I'm just like speaking. <laughs> um, I'm like using a lot of hand motions that you can't see. That's how I know I'm really tired. It's because like I'm struggling with the words, but so I'm just like moving my hands aggressively. Anyway, Carrie, I just I, I want good things for you. I never ever want anybody to tell you. that You are defined by anything other than exactly what you say you're defined by. If the noise is overwhelming, if the noise is louder than your own intuition, boundaries need to be set, or you need to move. <laughs> those, are, those, are, those, are, those are the two options I see. And even when it's hard and it's uncomfortable and you're pushing back, and people are making you feel weird, just rest assured, you will meet somebody. It will be wonderful. No one will ever, no one can ever know that timing. And that's, you know, what you can't tell the people that heckle you when that will happen. But when it does, you will look around you and so many of the people that got pressured into marrying people that it was the first person they dated. Maybe they're too young. Maybe it wasn't fully right. Maybe they never snapped out of the frat boy habits. A lot of alcoholism I've noticed with like young married couples and like frat boys used to know, like I, it's very hard to know when you're 22. It's like, Are you you know just playing like flip cup around the clock because you're in college, or do we have a problem here? Like it's kind of a little bit hard to tell, and I think you need like a buffer of adult life to see how somebody actually adjusts. When I'm back in these situations, I'm I'm overwhelmed with gratitude at like just the sheer freedom I've been able to have by kind of blocking a lot of that noise early on, by kind of always doing the thing I wanted to be doing, um, by kind of acknowledging that you know, if I'm the one that gets the last laugh, who cares what happens in the process, right? (laughs) And I just think that there's no greater satisfaction than being able to look back on all your experiences, good, bad, and ugly, and not have a single finger to point, not have a single ounce of resentment, not owe anyone anything. I value that freedom and that independence so, so much, and it's made all the difference. And I can already tell you are so independent minded and you want what's best for yourself and you'll advocate for yourself. And I just want you to not lose that. And I want you to build on that. And the earlier you don't let people get to you, the earlier you build up a tolerance to a lot of that noise, the better off you are. So stick with your instinct. You're having fun. You're single. You're living it up. You love your life. You have your friends that is what life's all about right now. That is your life. Like that is the microcosm you're in that is what you should enjoy. That's what you should maximize. And it doesn't last forever. And when you leave college, that joy and fun and and doesn't go away by any stretch. It just morphs and and it just is a, in a different format and you'll still find your footing. Please don't let anybody make you feel like a hag. Don't let anybody make you feel behind. Sometimes I just stew in the satisfaction of anybody that goes out of their way to make me feel behind. I, I am so, so far ahead of them already on principle. I am lapping them in life because I have no interest in asking people pointed questions that make them feel inadequate or that make me feel better about my life by tearing down theirs. Anybody that makes you feel like you should be doing anything other than exactly what you want to be doing is operating out of a place of their own insecurities their own difficulties their own regrets and like you just have to remember that and it's just it really is so rarely personal and i guess i mean that this is kind of like my life story in a way like to be there in five of it all i'll be there in five minutes it's like at the end of the day i guess I, i had to run a little behind to ultimately get ahead and uh whether you'll be there in five days five months five years five who cares the important part is you're on your way and i'm proud of you and thank you for being such a kind listener and for calling in and i don't know if any of that was helpful but i thank you for turning around my my uh late night slash early morning mood (laughs) now i can finally post this episode all right guys let's see i don't know what have we got i patreon.com slash be there in five there's like a 100 bonus episodes of so this where the Anna Delvey deep dive is i posted a video of my sister and i talking about our circus church growing up you have access to that. our powerpoint parties our past ones the next one's june 28th um your support means the absolute world and um if you want to rate and review five stars that'd be awesome share on your instagram story every little bit helps the podcasting game is the uh, growth is a slow one so your contributions never go unnoticed. And um, thank you for being here. I hope you'll come back next week. I hope this was a good use of your time. Um, and I, I'm headed to the tropical paradise that is northern Michigan to stare into space. And I hate I hate relaxing. I feel guilty on vacations. But I, Catherine Kennedy, have been inside for too long, have been a tense, like I've never been so physically like my body, everything and I. I don't I, I don't know if I even know how to like relax my muscles like I just feel like I'm in knots constantly and like I just am so excited to just like even I'll just like sit on a porch I might read a book like a handheld book I always do <laughs> whenever I read I like listen to audiobooks I, I can't read because I'm like I need to be multitasking it bothers me if I'm reading that I'm not also unloading the dishwasher you know i'm gonna try to slow it down i'm gonna, be, I'm gonna basically be like the robe except a, a throw that's like still on their phone because i'm not a person that like needs to digital detox um i like to I, part of my like joy enjoyment of relaxing is consuming content for joy and not for work you know what i mean anyway. okay guys love you so much support our sponsors support all of the amazing small businesses we featured their links will be in the episode notes i'll feature them on instagram stories and yeah i think that's it All right, guys, as always, let me know your thoughts and I will let you know mine. I'll be there in five. I swear.